You're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. Um, no, I got nothing. Hi. Hi. Oh, yeah. Hi. <laughs> hey, how's it going? It's good. Yeah? It's like a pretty dreary Tuesday here in Chicago. Yeah, it's been dreary for several days. And then also um, daylight savings. Put me in a time <laughs> warp. What the hell? Yeah. Sunday was terrible. Monday, also terrible. I also, like, you know when you just jump, when we just go back to Michigan and stuff and we're just in a different time zone and I never need help adjusting? Why did I need this much help adjusting? Yeah, especially because Michigan is an hour ahead and that never bothers me. No. Um, at all. I'm, I'm confusion. And I just sort of was looking around and I was like, everybody is like being put through a wormhole right now. I saw on TikTok and I did not verify this information. I saw TikTok that was like the, (laughs) I love sharing information, unverified information from TikTok. Please Um, go ahead. But I mean, it makes sense. And it was like after daylight savings time, um, you are like 16% more likely to get into a car accident. Good thing I don't leave the house. I know. Well, you can't drive either, so. That's true. That you, but I, you I probably... was actually more worried about other people hitting me with a car. That's true. That's fair. I was almost hit by a car that had no wheels, you know, the other. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was crazy. Um, did I end up telling you that it ended up hitting 27 cars? You did tell me this. You also told the podcast. I so did? They, yeah. are, they, they know that you're hung up on this story. I was it's hit really by exciting. a car when I was eight. I was on Halloween. Um. My mother ran over my foot once and to this day has never admitted it. <laughs> she's That's like, pretty horrible. No, she's like, Julia, I did not do that. And I'm like, you absolutely did. I, um, yeah, I was walking to school and you know, when you were like a safety in elementary school where you got mm-hmm. the yellow belt and helped the little kids cross the street, mm-hmm. it was a safety. And so I was wearing the belt, but I was also wearing my Halloween costume. I was dressed like a witch cause I went for as a witch for every year of elementary school. Understandable. It's who I am. And, uh, I like did my due diligence of looking both ways and I was just sort of running across the street cause I was excited to go to my ho- my class Halloween party. Mm-hmm. This woman comes ripping around the corner and this <laughs> giant black SUV and she like clips me on the leg and the way that she hit me it like spun me up onto the sidewalk and I lost my hat and she oh, ran no. over the hat very sad not the hat and I'm sitting there and I'm stunned and I'm dizzy and my leg hurts like crazy she did a pretty good job of bruising it um and she like tire screech stops the car gets out she's like oh my god I hit a kid <laughs> And I'm like very annoyed with her <laughs> because yeah, she did. And she's like, I just, I can't believe like I could have done this. I ruined your Halloween. And I remember thinking at eight years old, please stop making this about you. <laughs> um. Anyway. And then like one of my friend's classmates, like one of my classmates, dads, who was a cop was just kind of out. And he was like, um, I'll, I'll walk you the rest of the way to school, Christian. And I was like, thank you, officer. And, <laughs> and then the high school had to call my parents and they showed up and my parents who have never responded very well to any of their kids being injured. And by that, I mean, they've never taken it as seriously <laughs> as they should. They were like, are you good? And I was like, I think. And they were like, cool. See you at home. <laughs> One of my dad's favorite stories uh, about me when I was little was I was out trick-or-treating on Halloween uh, with a friend Mm -hmm. and I was walking, walking, and I walked face first into a side view mirror. (laughs) (laughs) Like I just hit it full speed and my dad is like waiting behind me ready to be like, oh, there's going to be, there's going to be a meltdown because I had to be like three or four and nope, I just like shook myself up. And kept walking. The magic of Halloween. You really can get hit by a car or hit a car and just keep going. 
<laughs> also like the resilience of children. Oh yeah. Everything you think is going to be a major meltdown isn't. And the major meltdowns are like my crayon broke. Yes. Yeah. yeah. To yeah. be fair, I react that way as an adult to a lot of things. We have like a long running joke in my family that I just like, there's so many things that could have absolutely killed me. Like <laughs> me specifically, cause I have really bad luck compared to my siblings. And I just, I lived bitch, you know, <laughs> I wasn't necessarily thinking that at eight, but I'm thinking it at 25. I lived bitch. It's an accomplishment. Yes. Um, you know what else is an accomplishment? The brilliant artistry of MTV's Teen Wolf. That it is. Cause this is the Teen Wolf Real podcast, podcast where we... Rehash some of the worst Teen Wolf meta you've ever heard. My name is Christian. I'm Julia. And we're ready to rock and roll. Yeah, we're talking about um, episode six of season four, which is called Orphaned. It is. Mm -hmm. We are halfway through season four. What an insane concept. Um, Yeah. I also have have a thought and a feeling that like most TV shows should be max 12 episodes per season. Yes. Um, So I'm glad that this is a 12 episode season that we're dealing with right now. I would say that everything actually up until now has been a 12 episode season because really this is season five. Yes, technically, if we're talking... 3A and 3B are distinctly different. Mm -hmm. I think they've got the same, I think they have like a style that connects them. Yes. Because I will say that this season four is stylistically different from three, Um, which very much stylistically (laughs) different from the first two. Um, But yeah, it's cool. I really enjoyed this episode. I did not remember this episode very well. Like I remembered bits and pieces of it, um, Mm -hmm. especially the well part. Watching it, had a great time. Um, I loved it. And probably a lot of that had to do with the fact that it was directed by Russell Mulcahy. Big water energy in this one. Oh, yeah. And it looked great. It looked great. Um, and it was written by Jeff Davis and Angela Harvey, the Teen Wolf Dream Team. Yeah. I think, you know, obviously there's stuff like Motel California when it comes out of the woodwork of being like a random director and whatever, and it just ends up really working. Mm-hmm. But we do expect sort of consistent work. And I think Tim Andrew is in that um, conversation as well. Oh yeah. All of the people who play really nicely together, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're going to get a good episode when all of those people are involved. Yeah. I did. I I was, it did feel a little bit back on form after our last episode with, um, Miss Lynch. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was fun. I had a good time, but before we can discuss it, we have to do the 60 second recap. Yes. And you are going first. I thought I was, I thought I was. Okay. Um, do you feel prepared? Do you feel ready? Do you, I feel like I took notes. Oh, well, I mean, that's, that's the best you can do. about literally. all I can say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so mm-hmm. on your mark, get set, go. Okay, so we have a flashback to Kate trying to find the benefactor, and nobody seems to know who he is. Agent McCall shows up um, because Violet tried to murder um, Brett, and Violet recognizes Parrish. Um, she's one of a group of the assassin called the orphans. Um, and Brett is, is seizing from the Wolfsbane. And so Peter knocks him out so that Deaton can help, uh, get it out of his system. They figure out that Satomi is alive and he's part of her pack. Uh, Scott finds a big pile of money and takes it home. Um, and then we find out that Melissa is having a lot of money problems in there. Electricity has been cut off. Um, Garrett hits Liam with his car and kidnaps him. Derek recruits Malia to go find Brett's pack and teaches her how to track ascent. Styles and Malia then try to warn Parrish about, um, the Deadpool, because he's on it and Garrett tries to blackmail Scott and Liam is stuck in a well. The mean orderly is at it again at Eichenhaus because Styles and Lydia are trying to talk to Meredith. Garrett and Scott get attacked by berserkers and Garrett dies. Um, Meredith won't share the third key because the benefit factor tells her not to. Um, Le- Chris helps to save Scott. Malia and Derek can't find the werewolves. Oh, that would be it, my friend. Well, say it. well, lots go- jam-packed. Jam-packed. So much say. going on. Having a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. 
Are you ready to through. try and do better than I just did? Um, am I ready to do this? No. Am I going to do better than you just did? Also, no. We'll see. We'll see. I guess we will. Um, are you ready? Mm-hmm. You have one minute on the clock starting now. Uh, cold open. Kate is listening to a cassette about the hails, and then she's trying to figure out who the benefactor is, and she's like killing a bunch of people. Uh, Scott talks to Raphael, um, and then they're trying to take the uh, Violet into jail, and she recognizes Parrish by his name, and then uh, Deaton um, has to save Brett, and Peter shows up, and they um, uh, talk about Satomi's pack, and then Scott and Liam go through Garrett's stuff and find all this money, and then Scott hears Melissa on the phone talking about talking with debt collectors, and then Garrett um, hi, like hits Liam with his car and then kidnaps him, and then Derek comes to find Malia because he needs help finding Satomi's pack because his powers are failing, and he does some werewolf school with her, and then Styles and Lydia are like, we need to go to Paris, and they're like, tell him about the Deadpool, and they're like, we need to talk to Meredith, and then Garrett calls Scott from Liam's phone, and they start making negotiations for Liam like over Violet and then Styles and Lydia in Paris visit Eichenhaus and then Garrett and Scott follow the armored car only to get there and see that the berserkers have attacked it and that Kate has killed Garrett. Uh, Meredith uh, says that the benefactor won't let her tell, help them anymore and then Scott wakes up at the vet and then Chris is like, we're going to go. Time's up. I thought I was moving. You were a good clip. You had a good clip going there. Okay, well then I got halfway through the episode. <laughs> uh, to, to sum up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris and Scott go to a warehouse where Kate is hiding out with the berserkers and they kind of have a mini showdown and Scott realizes that Violet is dead and he's not going to be able to find Liam. Uh, Kate has the opportunity to kill Chris and then chooses not to. Liam, um, in his anguish, like screams out to Scott and Scott hears him and is able to save him before he falls down the well again mm-hmm. um, because he's dying of wolf swing poisoning. And then we get a call in Styles' bedroom to find out that Meredith has committed suicide only after Lydia predict, predicts that Derek is going to be the ne- next death by cracking, cracking the next Deadpool code. Yes. Also, all of Satomi's pack, or at least a large number of them, are dead. Oh, yeah. Um, Malia and Derek find them after having like a little Buddhism lesson. Um, and at the end, Peter comes to find Kate to form an alliance because he just wants power. He, yeah, uh, he does. What a shock. Um, so we're going to be talking about this episode through the theme of control, something neither of us had in the <laughs> 60 second recap, obviously. Uh, but it's a sort of really interesting balance. Um, I, I, as with all things, people are either fighting, either have it or, or are fighting for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really interesting how it manifests both like in sort of an interpersonal way, you know, when we see with Scott and Styles and their money problems, but also a grander sort of pack thing um, with the Deadpool mm-hmm. and whatnot. Where would you like to start in our conversation? Oh, gosh. It's hard to know because everybody is um, doing a lot. Um, hmm, let's talk a little about Millie and Derek. Would love to. A little bit, yeah. Weirdest alliance I could ever... I had... I, like, totally forgot that they spend an episode together. Mm-hmm. And I was just sitting there being, like, kind of in awe. Where, you know how we're always like, oh, I wish, you know, Jackson and Styles had an episode together or whatever. It really is because, one, all of these characters are so fleshed out and so well-built that any of them can interact in a way that is compelling. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, that's pack, baby. Yeah. They're all part of the pack. They're all part of the pack. I think... Um, there's some unexplored dynamics between Malia and Derek. Like they're both born, um, and wear animals. 
Um, they're technically cousins also. Yeah. So, um, yes, because they're, they're literally family. Although Derek, I assumedly doesn't know that. I don't think so. Um, and so there's like that sort of kinship. And also she's like one of the only, um, characters who didn't go through a formal werewolf school situation. Um, so it's really fun to have Derek kind of being that, um, person for her out of, complete necessity because he is losing his power. I will also say like, I think Derek has a little bit learned his lesson in the ways that he failed with Scott mm-hmm. and because he did a bad job of teaching Scott werewolf school and he didn't do a great job with Isaac, Erica or Boyd either. No. So he failed a lot. Isaac only <laughs> happened to succeed in the Derek, Derek school of werewolf dumb because he <laughs> was used to succeeding under abuse. So that's not, that doesn't speak well. Like on rate, my professor, he would <laughs> only be doing well in the hotness section. <laughs> you know, the peppers are very important. They're very important. Um, but yeah, I think that he's stepping up in a way where, yes, he does need Milia and is also realizing that this is not just about needing Milia. It's about being out of control in the way that he is going to now rely on everyone around him, which is terrifying for somebody like Derek, who is so insular and um, does a lot to isolate himself. Um, and so to even extend this, he can't even ask her in a normal way. He's like Voldemort whispering from the walls <laughs> when she's in class. Really good personality moment when she just stands up. Like, I don't, you know, I, I it sometimes don't even think that ne- this is all really baked into like the writing of Malia's character, but Shelley Hennig does such a good job to give her such a personality. Yes. Um, and it's very true to um a person who would not have been socialized since the age of eight um aged up a little bit because um obviously we can't think of malia as an eight-year-old girl um but that just whole lack of like social functioning that Mm -hmm. she has um like clearly she can make friends but you know the teacher's like hey do you need to be excused? And she's like, yes, I obviously need to be excused. Yeah, I'm getting up and leaving. Do you remember in high school when you had to ask to go to the bathroom? Yeah, what a weird power trip for S- teachers. So cruel. Um, just go to the bathroom. Like, yeah. Just, I think I had some teachers who were like, please don't ask me. It's not my business, which is like, yeah, that's how you should be. I had some teachers who just like had passes by the door and like, there were, there were like two at a time. Wait, did you have any teachers who had a past that was like something ridiculous? No, I think they were all relatively normal. Oh my God. I had teachers who had like a cardboard cutout you had to take. <laughs> uh, uh, my favorite teacher, um, uh, Mr. Cooper had a old timey metal lunchbox. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I once in just like a random situation where like the bathroom needed a key. It was like a spatula, just like a very, <laughs> very large spatula. Um, attached to the key. That's pretty funny. <laughs> Don't know why, but you know, uh, whatever's at hand, I guess. Um, funny thing is, is you start to know who, which teachers had the weird passes. You'd pass somebody in the hallway and you'd be like, Oh, they're in so-and-so's class. <laughs> hey, you need to be identified. You need to have a personality. If you're a teacher, you definitely need to be like, people will recognize me. I'm, I'm weird. I'm a weirdo. Please stop. <laughs> Um, but yeah, getting back to, to Derek and Malia, like what I find so interesting is that, um, Derek is basically looking at her being like, if I can't have control, I will give it to you, Mm -hmm. which 
is very vulnerable. I think for both of them, because Malia is even like, yeah, I'm not good at this, so let's not try, because I think she's deeply afraid of failure. Yeah. Um, and he's also inviting her on a mission she is not really prepared for, you know? They don't know that they're going to find Satomi's pack murdered. Mm-hmm. That's horrific. But I think even the idea of entering a space with other werewolves kind of scares Malia. Yeah. Um, and I find it really interesting because it could just be an alliance of convenience because, you know, the teacher makes a point to be like, both Styles, Scott, and Kira are not here today. <laughs> no Kira at all in this episode, actually, which I just realized. <gasps> yeah, and, um, it felt naked sad. without her. I miss her. Um, so it's kind of like, well, Malia is the only one at his disposal, kind of, but she also um, doesn't really stand to gain anything by knowing that Derek can't um, does is losing his powers like that's not of interest to her because she doesn't really fit within that like power dynamic totally that's not something that she would even ever have a reason to take advantage of you know if yeah. anything she's probably being like mm, pity <laughs> oh that's sad oh bummer yeah so um while it probably is a little bit out of convenience it's also um safe for Derek to kind of relinquish that control over to her yeah I think so too um, and she does her best. This is a weird trust fall. <laughs> it really is. Um, yeah. And I think that this is a big point of growth for Malia. And also I think the sort of desperation Derek has really makes that ending hit of Lydia typing in his name hurt so much worse because we, I think I remember being like, holy shit, they're going to kill off Derek this season which is crazy um they obviously don't if you've seen the show which i'm assuming you have which is Uh, kind of surprising to me since tyler hecklin leaves after this season like they could have done it but um but you know leave the door open i guess he comes back in season five doesn't he very 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 briefly if he does i don't really remember i think he like stopped showing up in the credits in season five he's in season six but he come, but like he's been gone yeah. for quite some time. Anyway, um, yeah, we we're feeling if we don't know anything about the show, we're feeling like an extreme sense of anxiety about Derek and his future at this point. Yes. Um very interesting. Very interesting exchange. Cool relationship. Uh do you want to move into talking about Styles, Lydia, and Parrish? Yeah, what a trio. Um Yes. I, I wish I could like Parrish more. Why mm-hmm. stay away from, from Lydia? I think if Parrish had been introduced totally platonically to Lydia, he would be one of my favorite characters. I think and so too. He is consistently the most emotionally aware of like aware person in a room and where Lydia and Styles are clearly so uncomfortable with their lack of control, specifically in their, conver- in their like confrontation with Meredith. Like, I think especially, you know, given his military background, especially given the fact that he's like the hurt locker, he yeah. is able to stay calm in any situation, regardless of how much control he has in it. And that was a really impressive dynamic for me to put in that room. Absolutely. He has um, a real sense of confidence that he can be in control in certain situations that like if he needs to be, he can kind of step into that role. Um, and he's not very assertive, but like his presence there is very calming, mm-hmm. I think. Um, or at least, you know, he, he is solid. He's the one person, um, not on the verge of a nervous breakdown of the three other people in that room. Yes. Um, yeah. so he's, it's important to have him there. Also, he like gets them in through the door. So like literally, um, but you know, he, 
earns Styles' respect because I think that like Parrish has a power and a control that like Styles really um, wants to have. He kind of feels like he's entitled to it a little bit because he's the son of the sheriff and he's like, I yeah. can just do what I want. Um, and so like having Parrish there to kind of make that happen for him, he's like, I like you. Yeah. Well, I also think that Styles is, you know, if for a while it kind of was like Styles could do whatever he want, he'd be stealing like keys to the cells and whatever and like doing all kinds of illegal stuff with evidence mm-hmm. um and now that, that that's not really an option to him especially because Raphael is here um and have another person on his side who's not just his dad I think even being able to talk to this to, to have somebody on his side and not have to go directly to his dad is mm-hmm. probably a relief but yeah Parrish just has a really quiet power about him he's very much um an understood presence in that room without like you know, he knows that that Styles and Lydia have have a, a task to do, and he also knows that his life is on the line now, so he needs to let them do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he won't let them go too far. He 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 maintains control when they are overstepping their boundaries with Meredith. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, he loses that control, and Meredith Banshee screams at Lydia, um, blowing out her eardrums. Which hmm, good. I also, like the idea that Banshees he, hear on a different frequency than people. Like yeah. it affects oh, her cool. and not in the way that it affects Styles. Um, and I loved, I love the bleeding from the ears. I, we've talked a lot about how Teen Wolf does body horror and violence, um, and gore really, really well. And mm-hmm. not that that's particularly gory, but it's just this like this episode wasn't nice particularly detail. gory. Like we did see a dead body, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like we didn't see any decapitations or anything. No. But that is why I also think part of the reason why when we have like episodes like last episode and this episode where we don't have to focus a lot on 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 the gore, like even the stuff in in Deaton's office wasn't very explicit. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it when somebody gets their head cut off that you're like, "Holy shit. Yeah. That was crazy." Yeah. Um but yeah, and then obviously on the, you know, the opposite side, we have Lydia and Styles and Styles I think these two are used to being either on the end of control or the end of, um, like out of control. Mm-hmm. Like they're sort of on a teeter totter. And right now they're both going nuts. Like the yeah. teeter totter is going up and down and they're <laughs> like, I, I do not know how to handle this. And having Paris there really helps, but it's really interesting that they can't offer each other the comfort they normally would. Mm-hmm. Well, they're, and they're both dealing with, um, you know, major trauma. Some of it is the same trauma. Um, but you know, we're coming off of a season of styles, not being in control of himself pretty much ever. Yes. And I'm sure that the thought of not being in control is terrifying to him. So not having that Deadpool list, like not having the key and not knowing exactly who else is on the third part of the list, um, must be freaking him out so much because if you have knowledge, then you can control the situation, I think is how he operates. Mm -hmm. Um, and he, doesn't and also because Malia is on that part of the list potentially yes because he loves her he does Um, and he already knows that Lydia is on the list yeah and and he he loves her too loves her loves Scott loves everybody people who fight about like ships on Teen Wolf they're like Stalia no you know Stidia love is not a pie no and it all works it all works um Lydia is grieving Lydia really wants to be able to connect to the only other banshee she's ever met. God, could you imagine how alone she feels? Mm-hmm. Well, I also think that Lydia, as, like, a popular girl, um, and also as, like, the really, really smart girl, is used to having control in situations, and not having control with Meredith is clearly 
infuriating to her. It's also interesting to me when you say like, oh, she's the popular girl, whatever. Lydia's social status has fallen significantly since when we first met her. Oh, sure. But like within social situations, like she usually seems to be very much like the one that people turn to. Mm -hmm. Um, She, Scott's obviously the leader, but like Lydia is his general. Yeah. And then, you know, at the end of this episode, we find out that they had no chance of being able to control their situation. And it's very sad that Meredith is dead. Mm Mm-hmm. Is she really dead? I, I put it in quotes in my notes because I couldn't remember if she I don't think she's really was. dead. I don't think, I don't she think she's is really either. Dead. Um, uh, we could look to, it up. But, but to them, that is the ultimate loss of control. Like, they've lost a life. They feel like it's their fault. Mm-hmm. Their sense of responsibility to it yeah, is, is really upsetting. And we get that sort of tender moment where Styles hugs Lydia and she can't even really hug back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's lots of um, touching going on in this episode. I so appreciate the physical repartee of Teen Wolf because mm-hmm. it, instead of being like, if you're touching somebody, it means something big. They can delineate between like normal, like friendship gestures and then like the actual big sweeping gestures, um, which is why this hug would never feel as significant as like the first Stadia kiss. Yeah. Well, I also think that it's one of those um, bits that really ties teen wolf and those characters into like the teen genre Mm -hmm. because i was all over my friends in high school yeah well what's funny is so many teen shows do a really bad job of this Mm -hmm. and that's why it's a really big deal when people touch and it's like this is so sterile and weird used to regularly lay in piles of people yeah (laughs) oh my gosh right before covid hit i was at a an audition in a room full of actors which i have always been like ugh about this thing about actors being like we're actors we hug don't Mm -hmm. hug me i don't know you but we were all like we were in this room people were laying on the floor laying on each other and this was like the day before the city shut down and i was like maybe now is not the time (laughs) to be to be doing this the guy has to disinfect the doorknob after every person who goes in and you you guys are like, man, we're all so close. <laughs> but that's what it was like in high school. Everyone's like, yeah. we're so close. I just need to hug you it's right funny, now. Later in life, I'm like, don't touch me. Don't. It, it feels weird. But there's like that sense of familiarity with people you've gone to school with for a long time where you're just like, face. Yes. I will touch it. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, have, I have a friend who used to greet me by licking me. Mm-hmm. Not, in the, not, not in the post-corona world. <laughs> Never. No, just right up my face. He'd take off big chunks of makeup. That's gross. Um, He's but a I, disgusting person. <laughs> I also am just like, I knew people like that. Yep. So, um, Moving on, mm-hmm. I want to talk about, I kind of want to talk about Kate and Peter really quickly before we move into the Scott, Liam, Chris yeah. aspect. Um, Kate, like clawing for control at this point. And she's going about it in the only way she knows how to, killing people. Hmm, the violence. <laughs> we love a consistent queen. Um, I forgot how much I liked watching. What's her Jill Wagner? Is mm-hmm. that her name? Yeah. I, I do find Kate infuriating, but I do like when she's on screen. Oh, yeah. I think she does an excellent job. Um, her and Peter are both... So slimy. Um, Jill Wagner and, and Ian Bowen are phenomenal villains, and they do it when they're, when they're together on yeah. screen. I'm like... Yes, excellent. Yeah. I know why they had, like, Derek be, like, the person Kate slept with, but imagine if it was Peter and he, like, sold out his family. I uh, would believe it. Yeah. More readily, I think. Um, Yeah, it's funny because I think um, Kate 
is kind of battling for control in like two different areas. One is her own like personal inner battle mm-hmm. of trying we to all have <laughs> our inner demons. Uh, her her sleep paralysis demon of turning into you know a were jaguar or whatever um, because she can't control that. She still hasn't figured it out. It's been like a month at this point. I think is the implication. It has not been long. Yeah. Um, so she still hasn't figured that out. But then also um, she's trying to figure out who the benefactor is. She's got these two berserkers that she can control and she feels like that gives her a lot of more power in the situation and she's kind of untouchable in that sense. But she still is um, left without information which is the same dilemma as most of the characters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't, she doesn't, she is not off afforded werewolf school as she shouldn't be. She's evil. Um, but, you know, we see Derek teach Malia control in this episode. We, mm-hmm. We're going to, we have seen and we're going to keep seeing like Scott teach Liam and there's absolutely nobody to guide Kate. And because of that, the desperation would totally make her make an alliance with Peter, who is, desperate mm-hmm. he wants to be an alpha that's part of this deal is that if scott dies he gets to be the alpha again i guess I, if he kills it's not scott. like yeah it's not like scott's his pack i don't know um but and he all but says that to kate is like if we can't be in control separately we need to do it in the messiest most chaotic way together <laughs> um a match made in hell oh yeah peter will use anyone and anything to get power back and to get control. And we've seen him plotting this throughout ever since he came back. He has a very melodramatic moment in season three where he's like, I've always been the alpha. Um, God, and the you're like, this show's so okay. dumb. God, the show is stupid. I mean, I love it and we're here forever, but. But yeah, I mean like Peter just wants to have control over his little kingdom of Beacon Hills and he doesn't have it and he wants it. Yeah. He wants to sit on his werewolf throne. And then be werewolf king. Yeah. Don't we all want to be the werewolf king? Yeah. Listeners, I demand you refer to me as your majesty. <laughs> the only royalty we support on this podcast, werewolf kings. Yes. Um, uh, drag queens. That's true. Yes. Otherwise, anti-royalist. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Peter, I just, I love, I love the villainy. Me too. Um, and uh, he is having, you know... It's really interesting when he sort of shows up to like punch Brett and you see that he's clearly has some kind of advantage over everybody in the room and we're not like really sure what's going on, what it is yet. He's an alpha by the end of the season, isn't he? I can't remember, but I was also really confused. Doesn't he do that? I've always been the alpha thing. No, that was season um, three when he goes back to kill Jennifer. Oh yeah. And she's like, it's you. So is he hiding the fact that he's an alpha from these people? I, well, no, because he, he glows his eyes at them very specifically when he comes in. But he glows the red at Jennifer. That they're blue. Yeah. I don't don't know. I don't know how he does it. So this is just Teen Wolf inconsistency? Or can he change the color of his eyes? Because that would be pretty cool. What a cool power. I wonder if it's just Teen Wolf inconsistency. I also don't remember him glowing his eyes red at her. Um, I, I know that he goes back to kill her, but the point, the point is I was actually really confused by that. Um, because I know that when he comes back to life, he's like, I'm weak. I can't help you fight the alphas um, or whatever, you know, the problem is. Um, But clearly uh, he's gotten his strength back. And also it's been like a year. Oh yeah. So if the surprise is like, Oh, Peter used to be really weak and now he has his strength back. I'm like, why is that surprising to you? Cause he's all of a sudden back in the 
Because we didn't have a, a lot of Peter last season. He's all of a sudden very much in the fray. That's true. Um, it's very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, shall we talk about Scott and Chris and Liam? Poor baby. In a hole. It's where he ends up. <laughs> in a well. Um, yeah, let's do it. Uh, so Scott, completely out of control. He can't get his dad to not do to not try to mess with the assassins. He can't get Styles' dad away from his dad messing with the assassins, and he needs to get Liam back from the assassins, and he has to deal with Garrett. I've never seen somebody who looks more like a Garrett than that kid. Yeah. Also, we got a name for the girl. I I do I swear to God they have not referred to her as Violet in a single episode before now, right? No, but they were like, we have to talk about her, so we've got to give her a name. Yes. Um, I don't know. Maybe in the subtitles, it's like Violet. We're going to a party tonight, right? Or something? I don't fucking know. But we I should not have to watch the subtitles to know a character's name. Okay, you know how when you, um, when you uh, open up a play, instead mm-hmm. of a table of contents, you get the, like, persona I'm drama. Aware. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm explaining this for people who don't normally read plays. <laughs> I know, I know. But you get the character listing. Yeah, I need that for every episode of every show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, even movies. I could go a whole movie with like a main character, and I'm like, I don't know who that guy. I don't know their name. We we just watched a movie um, where I was like, I don't know who any of these people are. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, I don't know who any of these people are. Yeah, we just watched a Sundance movie, and I can tell you one character's name, and it's because he's the character people keep making fun of, <laughs> Dennis. Yeah, yeah. Um, Violet. So Garrett um, is out of control. Um, which affects Scott. No, Derek. Yeah, no, Derek. Garrett. G- Garrett. Garrett. I didn't say Derek. Mm-hmm. I'm always a little thinking about Derek. Uh, no, Garrett is 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 not entirely out of control, and he's exercising the you know minute amount of control he has over Scott. He has, he has leverage. Mm-hmm. He has Liam in his trunk, <laughs> and. Um, Liam is not just Scott's friend, and we know that Scott would go to the ends of the earth for his friends. Mm-hmm. Liam is Scott's beta. Yeah. Uh, so the stakes are high. And, you know, we know how it feels to lose a pack member, and I think that they have expressed this in Teen Wolf before, that to lose a member of your pack hurts in a way that you can't describe. What would it be like to lose a beta? Like, mm-hmm. your personal. And that, the, the that first beta you ever turned. His baby. And, like, it was an accident. It was an accident. Oopsie doodle. Yeah. Talk about being out of control. <laughs> so, well, so Garrett... Um, uses the kidnapping of uh, Liam to assert control over Scott and is like blackmailing him essentially being like, you are going to help me get Violet back, Mm -hmm. which doesn't go well for any of them. And meanwhile, he's put Liam in like a jigsaw trap in the bottom of a well poisoned with wolfsbane. It is so good. Everything Mm -hmm. in the well is good. It's so in the water. Give it up for Russell Kay. It's so well directed. The lighting in this episode is so good. And so there is this insane sense of urgency for Scott because he doesn't know that Liam's in a well and not knowing that probably makes him feel so much more out of control. Mm -hmm. Um, And Liam doesn't know that anybody else is coming to find him. And he's like, I am the only person who can get me out of the situation. Terrifying for both of them. Yes. And the, the only thing that Scott knows is that Liam was stabbed with a blade dipped, dipped in Wolfsbane. Um, and he just saw what happened to Brett. Yeah. When that happened. So, um, literally anything that Liam could be anywhere, but he's still going to die. That's what Scott knows. Yeah. And the only way that he can control it is by finding him. So, which is why he agrees to go along with Garrett's plan. Although he's really trying to undermine him the whole time. Being like, this is dumb. His plan is bad. Yeah. His plan is so bad. 
really, really bad. Also, like, the devil works hard, but Kate works harder. That is the thesis of Teen Wolf. Um, <laughs> also, the devil works hard and Peter works less hard, but is better at it. <laughs> he really is. Um, but it's it's really, I think it's interesting to see the way that, like, Garrett gains the control over, like, you know, he has Liam, he's getting Scott to do what he wants, and then the second they get, they catch up to the truck that is transporting Violet, his control is gone because Kate got there first and the berserkers are there. Yes. Instantaneously. He is, he is not, no longer on the high ground. I know we wax poetic about the berserkers, but they really are terrifying. It really is good. Um, I think that, and this is not that particular moment, but there's a moment in this episode where Kate is walking up, um, in front of like a plastic sheet Mm -hmm. and they're behind her and whatever they were doing, they are so tall. Yeah, I mean, well, when you are far away in shadow, you are way bigger. Oh, yeah, but even when she gets, like, closer to the plastic, she still is so small, and they are so, so large. Um, and they do a really good job of um, emphasizing that even in relation to, like, physical characters, not just in silhouette. Um, oh, yeah, so... when Garrett pulls out his, like, spear or his, like, bow staff or whatever he's going to fight them with, he is completely... Um, you know, like they completely overshadow him. Mm-hmm. And he um, is very overly confident. So is Chris. He comes mm-hmm. in with a machine gun, but we know Chris has seen berserkers before. And we, we know we, the audience have seen berserkers attacked with guns before. We know it doesn't work. Yeah. And he just gets absolutely like bounced by them. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then he starts boxing with them. But <laughs> Whatever, Tino was dumb. Whatever. Um, yeah, but Garrett um, loses control in the sense that uh, he dies. He goes bye-bye. A berserker stabs him through the chest. Rip, except <laughs> I hated you. Okay, I want to talk about the, the orphans for a second. So, yeah, okay, are they teenagers or do they look like teenagers? I feel like that still wasn't so, like clear, clarified. I want to know. I really, I do feel like it was a 21 Jump Street situation. Um, I would have... I I kind of sometimes like the idea of teenage assassins if it's not those two they're so small. Um, they also just like were so annoying. They were really annoying. Well, um, here's the thing about like Brayden. I love that Brayden is not evil. She's just has a job. Mm-hmm. These two don't treat it like a job, and I think that's part of the partially the writing, partially the acting. But if these two were like, yeah, this is how I make my money, I'd be way more impressed. Yeah. It's kind of interesting to me that they actually gave them a name. Like that they're the orphans. Yeah. Um, well, I think right now all of the assassins sort of have names, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I just think that's cool. I'm like, what if this was a backdoor pilot? Um, no, a backdoor pilot for, for the orphans, for the orphans. No, that, no, I would not watch that. I would not either. But, um, yeah, it's kind of dumb and they do look like teenagers. I have no idea how old those actors were. Um, it's a normal phage. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Sometimes I'm like, I'm past the era of being able to play teenagers. And then somebody who's like fully 30 is in high school. And I'm like, okay. Crystal I'm Reed. Oh, yeah, true. Fully 30. Um, that's why she left the show. She was like, I don't want to be 30 playing a 17-year-old. Fair. It's like, understandable. I get it. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, we see Scott is um, being bullied by his lack of control. Chris, it, Chris is off the rails because... This is about family, you mm-hmm. know? He doesn't actually want to kill Kate, and Kate doesn't want to kill him. That's why she doesn't have the Berserkers kill him immediately. Mm-hmm. They still, you know, as much as they hate each other, they're brother and sister. 
Well, also, Chris has lost his entire, entire family. family. Um, you know, Gerard's still alive, but he's the worst. Um, his daughter is dead. His wife is dead. And now his sister is arisen. Yes. Um, I can't imagine not feeling extremely complicated feelings about that. Yeah. And so he could have shot her and he didn't. He didn't. Yeah. Um, so in that sense, like his, his grief and, um, frustration and confusion about Kate is controlling the way he behaves. Yeah, that's exactly it. And then finally, little Liam, little Liam is stuck in the well and he can't get out. That is the most, I think the most like strong physical representation of being out of control in this episode being so far down he's i said mentioned to you when he's climbing he's in nikes which are slippery when wet as are all the rocks and Mm -hmm. there's no safety net and that is you know he doesn't even start climbing trying to climb until like halfway through the episode and i think just like the very like it would be so intimidating to try to take that on Mm -hmm. um it's kind of that's gonna set liam up for his pretty much whole stint on the show which is just an uphill battle (laughs) um um, but he's so close to getting out. Um, and he, we get a flashback actually to the first night that he changed when Scott is like talking to him about being a werewolf and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, this is my motivation. <laughs> yeah. I also appreciate how much conversation we have about like Liam's stepdad and like his influence in his life. Mm hmm. There's just not a lot of good stepdad representation or like, you know, I think it's a really interesting thing for Scott to be like, well, what does your dad say when no one can ask Scott that question? Mm. Interesting dynamic to set up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, speaking of out of control, <laughs> Raphael has no idea what he's doing. None. And he, he's both being bad at being a dad for not being at the scrimmage and bad at being a FBI or an FBI <laughs> agent for being, being like, yeah, let's not worry about the other assassin and just take this one. Um, yeah, that's incredibly stupid, Raphael. Dumb. Do you want to move into Q's and O's? Let's do it. Do you have any cues? Not really. All of my questions were raised in the conversation of me not knowing what happens this season. (laughs) Yeah, I don't either. Um, I guess Peter kind of implies, kind of implies, and he's like, you, want to go back to your family and you want to like resurrect the Argent's um, power basically. Um, but I don't really know why Kate would want that. Like, yes, it's her family, but I don't see, she's never going to get normalcy back. And I think she's smart enough. Oh, to know I think that. this is kind of like a female misogynist thing. I think she still wants to kill other supernaturals while being supernatural. Mm, well, that I believe that that tracks. Yeah. That was my only like I thought that was question. A, a good question. I also was having that one. Um, but that was one of those things that they never actually, I feel like, reopened that conversation like ever in the show. So I was just like, nah, I'm, <laughs> I don't have to dig into that because they didn't. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that it's far more effective for Peter to be like, I can teach you control and I know that that's what you want. But then they have to throw the family thing in there, too. And I'm like, the control thing was enough. Yeah, it was totally enough. Totally, totally a good enough wager. Yeah. Um observations speaking of things that are enough i am not a fan of the money problems this season um we we didn't really talk about melissa but their power gets cut off and she's like picking up double shifts at the hospital um which is why Raphael is supposed to 
watch Scott. He's 17. He's 17 and and has been living with a single mom his whole life. Yeah, so so that's just kind of a stupid reason. But to me, like, I can understand... um, if this season was like super jam packed with like supernatural horror and you want to introduce an element of like human tension. But I think there's already so, so much of that. I'm also a little confused about where the money problems are coming from specifically. I know where Mm -hmm. the money problems are coming from with styles. Medical bills can put literally anybody in this country in crippling debt because America sucks. Mm -hmm. Um, The thing about Scott is like, have they did they add an expense was it that expensive taking care of isaac for like a couple months from because like they we know this is scott's childhood house so if the mortgage hasn't been paid off they've been paying it for years and it hasn't been a big issue yet Mm -hmm. um nurses uh make pretty good money um i don't really know it feels really shoved in there if it was just about styles i actually think that would be a really interesting part of this season a really interesting emotional arc for him because he's kind of stepped back because he's not on the Deadpool mm-hmm. yeah no I agree I think I think the Styles thing is understandable but the Melissa thing is a little too much and kind of the only thing that I can think is um the shit in her house gets broken all the time because people are just fighting mm-hmm. in it. um but yeah no you're right that the the circumstances have not changed enough for that to be a believable arc um and that really frustrates me um, let's see. I liked, I like all the tie-ins to season three. I like that Satomi is like around and kicking. Um, I like that tie-in. I like that we did actually have the flashback to, um, you know, Scott and Liam's conversation. Although I wish that that had happened last episode. I agree. Um, we love Peter the villain and also Parrish is delightful. I'm only worth $5. I wrote that down too. I was waiting for it. It's just a really cute, because I think it sort of expresses a, like a naivete for Parrish. Now that I find him to be particularly naive, he's lived a lot of life for being 24. Mm-hmm. Um, but like a very much a, you do not know what you're dealing with. 5 million, dude, this shit's crazy. Yeah. Considering that they don't know what he is at this yes. point. I also do like that he's a hellhound. I think that's so cool. What a like also so not the creature I would have entered into this conversation and mm-hmm. they did a good job. Yeah. Um yes, I also wrote down the $5. I the lighting in this episode was so good. It was everything was really green toned. Everything was really bright for being a night episode, which I love cuz I love when I can see things. Everything in the warehouse was so well lit and it actually because of the like wafting um like sheeting, mm-hmm. it looked like water. Which was very cool. And then you were flashing between that and Liam in the well and the way that the moon was shining down. It was a pretty episode. Very into it. It was gorgeous. And I really, really like um, factory scenes that are like that. Um, I love draping. Yes. You know what this episode could have been? Hmm. Funnier. Yes, it was a little dour. We didn't get a single quip. Except from Coach, kind of, who was drinking NyQuil weird for an alcoholic it is orange so i do think it's dayquil okay i think there's still alcohol in it i think there is um but i think when you're an alcoholic you know but he's on the he's on the wagon he is he is he's just having a really hard day he really is i don't understand why they made coach sick do you think that uh orny Orny adams Adams was sick sick? and they were like oh wait is the next episode the one with the psat Maybe. I think the next episode might be the PSAT thing, so I think it makes sense that he's like setting it up. But like, Satomi's whole pack is dead. They're poisoned. We get 
two scenes of like disgusting, horrific yellow wolfsbane puke. Yes. Um, Wait, maybe this episode was way gorier than I thought. It's not um, excessive. Like when we find it's tasteful, it is tasteful. Well, we find Brayden with like a bloody hand mm-hmm. unexplained. Um, but yeah, there was just like a lot dragging it down. There was one tiny moment when styles was like looking at her. She's like, mm, I like you. I'm gonna keep you. Yeah. But that's about it. That was it. Um, that was, yeah, that was last of my observations. Do you have an alpha of the week? I think, Oh, I, I don't know. I'm trying to think about it because everybody did kind of shitty things this week. I'll give it to Chris. That was my first instinct as well. Um, I kind of wanted to... I'm actually going to give it to the women who weren't there. Melissa and Kira. Um, Yeah. Where were you? I think... Ultimately, I probably would give it to Liam. He was trying so hard to save himself. Yeah. And he or, like, you know what? made it happen. I'm, I'm still going to give it to a girl. I'm going to give it to Malia because mm-hmm. she really stepped up in this episode to help Derek. Yeah. Not part of the main plot. Doesn't matter. Love her. We love, we love Malia. Yes. She looked great in this episode too. Yeah. Oh, peak like 2014 fashion with the mm-hmm. tall boots and the light jeans and the like see-through uh, knit shirt. Yes. Big fan. Yeah. On my end. I don't need to dress like that ever again, but I did used to dress like that. So, you know, game recognized game. Um, Bit of housekeeping. I should have mentioned this at the beginning of the episode, but I totally forgot. So we officially have a a coffee account. So if you guys want to buy us a coffee and donate a little bit to the podcast, you can. That's available to you. It's on our Twitter. I do want to like say we are not asking you guys for money. No. Should you feel that you want to donate, um, you feel that we brighten up your life in any way, we honestly are just doing this to cover the cost of the podcast. Um, it's not a lot, but we, you know, we do put a little into it, and uh, we know that we have um, some very loyal and wonderful listeners. So if you guys want to throw us a fiver if you have it, or just a nice comment if you don't, um, that's just uh, coffee, ko-fi.com forward slash Teen Wolf Rewolf. Send all of our social links. Um, and just, you know, again, we're not asking. It's a pandemic. I know everybody is totally strapped right now. Um, but just, it's there if you want to to donate. Um, other than that, our social links. Uh, we are on Twitter at Teen Wolf underscore Rewolf, which is also our Instagram handle. You can follow us on Tumblr at Teen Wolf Rewolf. And our Facebook is Teen Wolf Rewolf Podcast Group. You just search it. I'll let you in. We'll all talk about Teen Wolf. Um... Anything else? No, I think that's it. Well, other than that, I have been Christian. I've been Julia. And we hope you guys have a wolf of a week. Uh, Awoo!